With a neutral USDA report and really nothing new in the mix to feed the bull, wheat markets drifted lower last week. This is Michael Wilton with the Saskatchewan Wheat Outlook for November 14th. You can find the detailed written report online at the Sasquheat website. Here's a look at how futures finished the week. Chicago, soft red winter wheat futures were down 34 cents, closing at $8.13. Kansas, hard red winter wheat futures were down 10 cents from last week, closing at $9.43. Minneapolis, hard red spring wheat futures were down 9 cents, closing the week at $9.45. Wheat futures are currently trading 1 to 14 cents higher this Monday morning at the time of recording. In the significant purchases and trades, it was another strong week in the wheat market. Tunisia bought 200,000 tons of soft and durum wheat. 100,000 tons was soft wheat, 100,000 tons was durum wheat. Jordan bought 50,000 tons of feed wheat. Egypt bought 200,000 tons of wheat at about $350 a ton. This was likely from Russia. Algeria bought 510,000 tons of December shipment milling wheat. Saudi Arabia tendered for 595,000 tons of hard wheat. News broke this morning that they actually purchased 1 million tons of wheat in that tender. Iraq tendered for 50,000 tons of wheat and there's no results yet. U.S. weekly commercial sales were 322.5 thousand tons. This creates a total of 12.5 million tons, down 6% from last year. The falling U.S. dollar has caused U.S. wheat to become more competitive, and we think exports will pick up in the future. Here's some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets. The USDA increased world supply thanks to a 300,000 ton increase in beginning stocks and a 1 million ton increase in production. Production is now 3.2 million tons higher than last year at 783 million tons. Global use was increased by a million tons for a 300,000 ton increase in ending stocks to 268 million tons, down 8.5 million tons from last year. In Canada, Canadian wheat exports for week 14 were strong again at 488.8 thousand tons for a season total of 5.1 million tons. Average weekly exports for the remainder of the year need to be 347 thousand tons per week to meet the AAFC's number. We should meet this and surpass it. In the Canadian rail movement, CN and CP supplied 79% of the hopper cars ordered in week 12 and 86% of the hopper cars ordered in week 13. While both CN and CP posted all-time records for monthly grain movement in October, issues with Canada's export pipeline persist. Two of the currently pressing issues are as follows. Number one, delays at the port of Vancouver due to the inability to load ships in the rain, and two, there are several rail labor agreements that will expire by the end of the year. There was an interesting comment made by the Foreign Agricultural Service of the USDA in their most recent grain and feed update for Canada, and I quote, Canadian National Railway and Canada Pacific Railway are expected to see a total of eight labor agreements expire in late 2022. 
In advance of a possible lockout or strike, the rail lines typically begin to reduce shipping pace to prepare for the possibility. If an actual stoppage occurs, possible outcomes include the delay of farmer deliveries into the elevator system, vessel demurrage, contract extension penalties, defaults, declaring force majeure, deferring sales, and further damage to the reputation of Canada's grain handling system. Four labour contracts expired this year in January and July. However, no major disruptions to the transportation of principal field crops occurred. End quote. In Durham, there is a strong chance that some of the 100,000 tons of Durham wheat that Tunisia bought last week was from Canada. The price paid backs off to about $13.90 a bushel at the elevator in Saskatchewan. Durham prices in Italy were unchanged for the third straight week in a row at 493 euros a ton. The rising Canadian dollar causes this price to calculate to just $13.10 at the elevator in Saskatchewan. There was another strong export program of Durham in week 14. Another 189.2 thousand tons of Canadian Durham was exported. In the U.S., the USDA made several interclass changes to the U.S. wheat balance sheet that largely offset each other. The only change in the overall picture was a 5 million bushel increase in domestic use, which resulted in ending stocks falling by 5 million bushels to 571 million bushels down 13% from last year. For the U.S. spring wheat class, the USDA increased domestic use by 6 million bushels, resulting in a respective decrease in ending stocks to 124 million bushels, down 11% from last year. For Durham, the USDA increased domestic use by 2 million bushels, but lowered exports by 5 million bushels for a 3 million bushel increase in ending stocks, to 33 million bushels, up 57% from last year. 92% of the U.S. winter wheat crop has been planted. 73% of the crop has emerged. Crop conditions improved 2% over the week to 30% good to excellent. The U.S. was generally hot and dry again last week, although rain did offer some relief in central Kansas and Oklahoma. In Australia, harvest is in full swing in Australia's west, where excellent yields are being reported. In the east, however, ongoing rain in the country has prevented most progress, and forecasts have rain persisting until February. Higher feed wheat from Australia because of the rain will likely replace some of the Asian corn demand. The USDA increased their production number for Australia by 1 million tons to 34.5 million tons, we think this is too low, considering that most trade estimates are ranging from 37 to 40 million tons. The USDA raised Australian exports by a million tons to 26 million tons. This is likely the maximum amount possible, given the logistic constraints and quality issues. In Argentina, Badge decreased their production number for Argentina by 1.6 million tons to 12.4. Rosario GE also decreased their number, putting their estimate at 11.8 million tons. This would be the lowest since the 2015-16 crop year. Meanwhile, the USDA is also playing catch-up, reducing their number by 2 million tons 
to 15.5 million tons. This is still far too high. Crop ratings in Argentina's wheat crop fell to 8% good to excellent, and harvest is now 12% complete. In the European Union, Matif wheat futures fell to a 10-week low last week as the euro rose to a two-month high. The USDA decreased EU production by 450,000 tons, which was essentially reflected by a respective decrease in ending stocks. Feed use grew 500,000 tons, which was entirely offset by higher imports. In the Black Sea, the USDA left Russia and Ukraine's wheat balance sheets entirely unchanged. The USDA's number for Russian wheat production is 91 million tons and is too low. More production will simply add to ending stocks as the USDA's export number for Russia of 45 million tons is already too high given their export capacity. For Ukraine, the USDA's export number is 11 million tons, which is possible, but only if the trade corridor remains open. Ukraine exported another 2 million tons of wheat during the month of October for a March-October total of 4.5 million tons. Russia and the UN began talks over the weekend to try discussing an extension of the trade deal. At the time of recording, no agreement had been struck yet. Right now, it seems likely that a deal will be made, but it will likely have additional restrictions added to it to try to prevent grain going to non-Russia-friendly countries like EU members. In the coming week, the market will concentrate on Russia and the future of the Black Sea Corridor. We expect wheat to firm somewhat along with corn, particularly if the US dollar remains weaker. We expect more activity in cash grains as users endeavor to add to their coverage. For now, we would not extend additional sales. Until next time, this is Michael Wilton with the Saskatchewan Wheat Market Outlook. You can find the complete mercantile report online at sasqueat.ca.